House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Oh, welcome back to the House of Mystery. And, of course, uh, joining us now is um, a journalist and author, uh, Dylan Howard. Thank you for being here, Dylan. It's good to be with you. So, uh, how did you get involved into writing uh, The Killing Fields? So, the book Aaron Hernandez, Killing Fields, came about through an association that I had, which was an introduction to a gentleman, um, uh, a convicted criminal by the name of Carl Kennedy. Now, Carl Kennedy was serving at the Sousa Baranowski facility in Massachusetts, um, and in the wake of Aaron Hernandez's suicide, um, he was identified as Aaron's potential uh, jailhouse lover um, through uh, connections. Uh, somebody I knew knew of him, and I first met with Kyle uh, behind bars in Massachusetts in September 2017. Um, my interview with him uh, was one of many uh, over a number of hours. And it was uh, what he had to say uh, which set me on a two-year two year journey to investigate the real Aaron Hernandez. And the real Aaron Hernandez is a story that I don't think America really knows. It's certainly far worse than we previously knew. And what Kyle Kennedy had to reveal was a very disturbing allegation, and that was that Aaron had admitted to him behind bars that he was responsible for a fourth never-before-known murder. Wow. Um, so, so when you find out this information, um, how did you follow up with that? Like, how could you believe necessarily what this Carl was telling you? You know, it was a, that's a very valid point. You know, uh, I pressed Kyle... Um, quite uh, strongly on the circumstances surrounding Aaron's confession and I uh, said to him that if he had additional information about the murder where whom the victim was that he needed to come clean and tell us um, this was a recorded interview also as part of a documentary series which will be coming out and premiering on the Reels Network um, soon, and in fact, it will be announced soon. Um, he didn't have any any additional information, uh, but certainly his credibility was not in question because he provided me a series of letters between he and Aaron, which substantiated that their relationship was indeed an intimate relationship, contrary to what Jose Baez, Aaron Hernandez's lawyer, and Aaron Hernandez's fiance Shania had actually previously said. Uh, so I, I, I did indeed believe Kyle Kennedy, um, and I formed a, a small mini-task force as part of this book that included uh, a serving Chicago PD homicide detective, uh, another homicide detective, a private investigator, a prosecutor that deals in homicide cases, uh, a criminologist, and, and others... And we began investigating the people around Aaron and 
it ultimately led us to a Boston cold case, a cold case uh, that involved the execution-style killing of a gentleman by the name of Jordan Miller, which to this very day uh, remains unsolved. Um, we believe that the likely probability is that Aaron Hernandez or someone associated with Aaron Hernandez was responsible for the execution-style murder of Jordan Miller in suburban Boston. Why do we believe this? Um, we have an informant who spoke to us, uh, is interviewed as part of the documentary, is in the book, about a drug deal that took place on a particular night in a cemetery. Um, not far from there, we're talking like under a mile or two miles, is where Jordan Miller was later killed that night. Jordan Miller bears a remarkable resemblance to Odin Lloyd, who was the victim of Aaron Hernandez and who was murdered and Aaron was convicted of the murder of, um, of Odin Lloyd, who was the lover of his fiancée's sister. So the fact that they bore a remarkable resemblance, that Aaron was high on drugs on this night in question, that he was overheard by this drug dealer saying that they needed to, to get to Odin and that Odin was killed less than two weeks later paints a profile that that very much likely looms as the case. Now, the Boston Police Department has said that this case remains unsolved. What needs to take place now, if it hasn't already, is the ballistics in the case of Jordan Miller need to be compared to the ballistics in the death of Odin Lloyd. If there is a match, it would conclusively prove that the same weapon was used in the murder of both men. But then again, there is somewhat of a variable here. The death of uh, Jordan Miller could have taken place with another weapon. Um, Aaron Hernandez had a fascination with guns. That we know. So uh, certainly there are more leads that should be investigated as part of uh, the findings of, of this book. And I have to ask you, are the police open to the idea that Hernandez was involved in this murder? You know, the police uh, have said that this is now still an active and open investigation. It's not a cold case, um, which is some comfort for the family. Um, but... The burden now is on the Boston Police Department to determine if Aaron Hernandez or someone associated with him who was with him that night was responsible for the murder of Jordan Miller. Certainly Jordan Miller's family believes that Aaron Hernandez uh, might well have been responsible and the fact that the case remains unsolved certainly does pique everyone's curiosity about this. I think the frightening thing, though, for me is that if Aaron Hernandez killed Odin Lloyd, was responsible for a double homicide, and killed a fourth individual, that makes him not only a serial killer, but the most heinous sports person or athlete ever to play sport in the history of the world. Uh, what do you think the purpose of him killing these four people, and even Jordan Miller. Like, 
did he just have a, an affinity to kill, or was there particular reasons he killed people? So there was, uh, according to Carl Kennedy, he possessed a, an insatiable appetite for, for, for violence. Um, but the motive for the murder of Odin Lloyd certainly is uh, an unanswered question, and we explore this significantly in the book. Now, what we know is that Aaron Hernandez was overheard saying that he wanted to kill Odin Lloyd. He, Odin Lloyd was a close friend of Aaron Hernandez, so he must have done something that Aaron believed had crossed the line to execute someone as a result. Or did he know too much? Now, the suggestion has been that Aaron, Aaron's sexuality uh, potentially could come out. But it's hard to fathom that one would kill to protect their sexuality or that they were living, living a closeted lifestyle. Jared uh, Farentino, who is an, an assistant uh, homicide prosecutor, was involved in the task force that was formed. He believes that there is a strong case that the motive for murder was that Aaron was HIV positive and that he was harboring this secret. And the reason that Jared has come to that conclusion is that he trawled through thousands of court documents and lawyers for Aaron Hernandez requested from the New England Patriots a series of documents as part of their defence. There were four checkboxes of documents that they ticked. Uh, they ticked all but one, and that one that they didn't tick was for STD or HIV health records. So it's plausible to think that they didn't request that information because it was irrelevant to the defence or, equally as so, it's plausible to think they didn't request that information because they didn't want that information public. And if they didn't want public, what did that information contain? And the conclusion of Jarrett Farentino is that it wasn't his sexuality that the motive for murder was, it was that he was HIV positive and the potential ramifications of that coming out for a sport that has not been identified as having any player that is HIV positive currently on a football field could be potentially devastating. How far did you go back in, in Hernandez's life and uh, um, do you think there could have been even other murders um, before? I can't rule that out, and, and, and I'll be completely frank with you. You know, anyone that has killed multiple times, um, and, and let's not kid ourselves, Aaron Andes was a serial killer. So I, I do believe that there are crimes that we don't know about. I don't have any leads to suggest that, but leopards don't change their spots. Once a criminal always a criminal. We went back to Aaron's very upbringing. He grew up in a violent household. He grew up in a household where his father ruled with an iron fist. At age 17, he dropped out of high school and went to 
the University of Florida. And very early on in his tenure as a tight end at the University of Florida, he was involved in uh, an incident at a bar with Tim Tebow in which a waiter was physically assaulted by Aaron over a disagreement about a, a, a bar tap. And, and, and Aaron assaulted this gentleman so significantly that it ruptured his eardrum. Before police could investigate Aaron for assault, the case was covered up. The witness was paid off, and his police said he was not prepared to testify or provide evidence against Aaron Hernandez. And this was just one in a series of incidents that took place prior to the murder of Odin Lloyd. And this is significant because, in many ways, it helped embolden Aaron Hernandez as a criminal. He was someone who thought he was invincible, who could get away, literally, with murder because he was an NFL superstar on a $40 million contract, blessed with a beautiful fiancé and a young daughter. He thought he was invincible. And... He thought he could get away with these crimes. This is someone who, in another incident, shot, shot someone in the face. In another incident in Florida, shot one of his closest friends in the face at point-blank range. He was a cold-blooded killer and violent thug who had, at his very fingertips, the all-American dream, and he shattered it in pursuit of crime. That brings up an interesting question that I wanted to ask you. The case where he, well, I can't remember the guy's name, was it Alexander, the guy he shot in the face, the friend of his who, I guess they, he provided him drugs or something over the, over the years. I Alexander, didn't know, Bra Alexander Bradley, yes. Yeah, and I didn't know a lot about this case, so I made sure to bone up on it a little bit before we talked. And reading that part of the story, one of the things that shocked me was how many people seemed to be aware of this problem that he had with violence, and especially the guy he shot in the face who helped cover it up afterwards and tried to kept sending him texts saying "I love you" and you know where you're my buddy and everything. You know, most people have, after somebody shot you in the face, that'd be the end of your friendship. But he seemed to have a power or some kind of hold over other people. What, what do you think about that? Well, I think there there are two answers here. You're absolutely right. The Alexander Bradley situation makes no sense. How could you be uh, a consigliere, if you like, for Aaron Hernandez, be shot at point-blank range in the face and um, still be a friend of that individual? It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. um, Aaron was particularly concerned that this individual would come forward and detail information about him and ultimately, in the double homicide, there were allegations that both men were responsible for the murder mm. of the two innocent victims. But I think the wider issue, and one that is a discussion that is well worth having, is the subtitle of the book, The Code of Silence. Mm -hmm. Let's be under no illusions. The University of Florida knew who Aaron Hernandez was. They knew that he was not a pillar of society. Yet, there was a win-at-all-costs attitude. At the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, these individuals didn't like him. 
They thought his behaviour was odd. And they too knew of incidents involving Aaron Hernandez. So one must ask the question about whether or not these organisations or the establishment of the NFL is complicit in some way by not intervening in the mental well-being of someone who is clearly troubled. To me, they're duty-bound to do so. And I can't help but think, having researched this case for two years, that had there have been intervention, that had these organisations looked at Aaron Hernandez and identified that he was a problem, that we might not be talking about four murders, and Aaron Hernandez might well still be alive today. Well, I also want to ask you about his state of mind, your, about how he <clears throat> had this predilection for and also the paranoia. So much of what I was reading about it, he seemed to, he thought agents were following him or listening to him or wiretapping him and things. And the incident with his friend where he shot him in the face, from what I've read, it seems to have culminated because Aaron Hernandez was convinced that people were, the government or agents were listening to him through phones. And so he demanded that his circle of friends not bring their phones around. And that night, I guess Alexander had left his phone at the club and asked Aaron to go back with him to get it. And they got into an argument. And the next thing you know, he's shooting him in the face over that. That it seems like he was not all there upstairs. I'm not trying to excuse anything that he did by saying that he was suffering from an actual mental illness, but it sure seems like paranoia was driving a lot of this. And is that somehow part of this, you know, act maybe shooting the wrong person, uh, the recklessness, the the double murder, you know, right on a street in front of people? How, how do you think that right, all plays into this? Yeah, recklessness is an understatement, but. Um, you're absolutely right. It doesn't excuse the behaviour. But Aaron had suffered from CTE, the degenerative brain disease uh, that has had a tremendous impact negatively on so many footballers. At age 27, Aaron's brain had a tennis ball-sized hole in it. So he was adversely affected by... CTE. He was a drug abuser of the highest order and behind bars indeed ran a criminal enterprise with Kyle Kennedy, smuggling drugs into these prison facilities and selling them to other inmates. But to your point, he was outside when free, uh, outside of the NFL, using drugs significantly. He was paranoid. He believed that he was being watched, followed and listened to. But if you think about it, if you're living a twisted double life and you have a trap house that your fiancé doesn't know about where you party with friends and you invite male strippers over and male lovers, there inherently would be a level of paranoia associated with being caught. Whether that was being driven by the CTE remains to be seen. By no means is it an excuse for his behaviour, but certainly it does provide perhaps an explanation into why he was so mentally disturbed. 
And I think we should mention that the CTE that you're talking about, that's the uh, brain condition that was described in the film Concussion with uh, Will Smith. That's right. About yeah, I mean, it's, it's effectively, it's, it's effectively it's CTE is caused by, in very plain and simple terms, the space between one's head and the football helmet and the constant impact like that of the head and the brain against the materials used to make the helmet. Mm -hmm. So in Aaron Hernandez's case, for 15 or 17 years, dating back to when he was playing um, high school football and junior football, he was suffering from this. And at age 27... It was the worst case of CTE that anyone had ever seen. So he was actually diagnosed with that? No, his brain was donated after... Oh, okay. Donated or, or, or examined after his suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is what it revealed. Wow. So I would think that his, um, his uh, gay lifestyle would have affected... How he thought, like how did how did he do that with a fiance and with other football players and all that, without being discovered? So he had a, a small group of friends that were obviously aware of this situation. Um, in the book, I speak with Dennis Sansucci. Dennis is uh, his high school lover. He says that um, they secretly had trysts. Uh, that no one knew about. He was Aaron was concerned that if people knew about it, that he would be treated differently. He was also very concerned as to how his family would react to him being homosexual. Um, I think that's probably the saddest element. It makes this very much, a, in in many ways, a Shakespearean tragedy. Um, the fact that we had a superstar athlete who felt forced to be in a romantic relationship with a woman, have a child with her, but be closeted and not be able to come out of the closet because he was a superstar athlete is the sad and tragic part of the Aaron Hernandez story. What was the biggest surprise you learned about Hernandez um, in your investigation? Well, the fourth murder clearly is, is, is a significant thing. Right. But it also, you know, the book also has one very clear and complex unanswered question. Clear because we can ask it, but complex because we don't know the answer why did he kill himself why two days after being acquitted of a double homicide that he actually committed and looking at potential daylight with an appeal in the Odin Lloyd case why did he decide to take his own life especially when I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of hours of taped phone conversations with Aaron and family members and friends in which he even goes into detail of describing 
living in prison as like the Ritz Hotel and that he was in a stable frame of mind. Why all of a sudden did he decide to commit suicide? It's a question that I don't think we will ever know the answer to. So what was this? He wrote four suicide letters? So prison sources said that uh, when Aaron was discovered, he was discovered um, inside his cell. He had put soap on the floor. So if he'd been found while still alive, having tried to commit suicide, that correctional officers wouldn't be able to actually get to him because they would slip over. So Aaron wanted to die. Um, but what was discovered was four suicide notes, according to my reporting. Three of those suicide notes have only ever emerged. One was to Jose Baez, his defense attorney. The second was to his fiancee, uh, Shania. And the third was to his child. My sources within the prison say that a fourth letter was left and found and that Carl Kennedy was told at one point, did you ever get the fourth, did you ever get your letter? Not the fourth letter, but did you ever get your letter? And Carl Kennedy said no. Now, immediately after Aaron's suicide, Jose Baez took possession of what was left in the cell. And the insinuation from those close to Carl Kennedy is that there was some form of cover-up to prevent the release of the fourth letter or to provide that fourth letter to Carl Kennedy because it would reveal Aaron's sexuality, which is a position that Aaron, uh, that Jose Baez and his fiancée continue to deny to this very day. Oh, they still don't admit that he had gay relationships. No, in fact, uh, I spoke to Jose Baez um, and he said it was a complete lie that Aaron Hernandez was gay or was involved in a relationship with Kyle Kennedy. And I said to him, what, well, what would you say if I said to you, I've read the love letters? And he wasn't aware of the love letters. And indeed, the book opens up with uh, a love letter from Aaron to Kyle in which he says he loves him. According to Kyle, these two are planning a future together. How would they do that if he was engaged or being married and have a child? Like, was he going to leave her or just kind of run both lives at the same time? Well, he was he was effectively running two lives at the same time, a double life, uh, when he was a New England Patriot. So, um, you know, it's a hypothetical how he would do it. If he was behind bars for the rest of his life and Kyle Kennedy was behind bars, I guess the two could have enjoyed... Uh, a relationship behind bars. Well, and I wanted to ask you, too, that I can't say that I have a whole lot of respect for Jose Baez or his critical thinking skills, but the Kyle is not the only person who is making this allegation. You referred to someone who was a childhood lover of his. Doesn't Jose Baez know about that, and how could he so cavalierly pretend that there's nothing to this when there seems to be some evidence behind it? You know, I... I what I'll say about Jose Baez is Jose Baez is a very, very talented defense lawyer. And the goal of a defense lawyer is to confuse the scenario and ultimately 
get an acquittal for their client. And in the case of Casey Anthony, that was some outlandish theories that sowed the seed of doubt in the mind of the jury. Yes. He successfully got Aaron Hernandez off the double homicide case uh, and had him acquitted, even though Aaron had admitted to Kyle Kennedy that he pulled the trigger and was guilty of those crimes too, but was prepared to lie to beat the rap. So, uh, yes, seemingly it would be very difficult for uh, for Jose Baez to deny uh, the facts in this situation, but as a defence attorney, sometimes the truth is not your most accessible tool. And what did he say in response to that when you mentioned these love letters? That he had not seen them, so he couldn't validate the the authenticity of them. I actually read to him one of the love letters, and his response was, well, Aaron told everyone that he loved, loved them, and that he told him on occasion that he loved him. But the cold, hard reality was the nature of these love letters were not the type of, hey, I love you, bro, or I love you, man. They were tender, they were emotional, and it is quite apparent that these two were engaged in a relationship. What do you hope people get out of the book? Well, I think the role of an investigator is to shine light on dark places, and in this instance, uh hell of a lot of light has been shined on some very dark places it paints a more vivid portrait of Aaron Hernandez if there is to be any justice as a result of this book it is that the Jordan Miller death be solved there is a grieving family there that have lived for years not knowing who killed their son, their brother, their cousin. And if that case can come to some form of finality, then this book will have done its job. If this book changes how the NFL and NFL teams treat their troubled star footballers, and they all have troubled star footballers, then it will have done some good. But I also recognise that there are going to be a lot of people that don't like the contents of this book. New England fans won't like it. Um, a lot of people will question the credibility of Kyle Kennedy. But this is the most, um, the most, I guess if you like, um, revealing story of Aaron Hernandez that has been told to date. It shows a pattern of violence and brutality that stretches back to one one's days at the University of Florida. And it is an, an alarming look at professional sport, and if any change can occur as a result, then that would be a good thing. Do you think Hernandez was a sociopath? I no doubt in my mind he was a narcissistic sociopath. Wow. Well, very, very interesting uh, story, research. Um, now, do you have a website or places people can come find you? The 
book, uh, the book is available at Amazon. Uh, it is available at all good bookstores, brick and mortar stores, as well as uh, Barnes and Noble and Hudson News at the airport. And people can also go to uh, my website, which is www.frontpagedetectives.com. That's frontpagedetectives.com, which is a series of books uh, that I'm writing related to these true crimes. This book is the uh, second book in a series. The first one was Princess Diana. The next one is the uh, final conversations of Charles Manson, which will be released later this month. And then on December 3, um, a groundbreaking and unprecedented investigation into the death, the mysterious death of Jeffrey Epstein. That book is titled Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales and will be released on December 3. Well, fantastic. And we'll have that linked on our website as well, so people listening can just do one click and get the book. Again, thank you very much. Our guest has been Dylan Howard. Thanks for your time. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.